set course for the Meg Ryan system. You're listening to Blue Yonder with your hosts, Jim Jones, Alcatraz, Peter Street, Shatner, and introducing Aaron Hubbard, Orville Redenbacher. First of all, I I guess I'll start, um, since I'm the only active MMO player amongst us, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's true. And I'm active in the one and only uh, World of Warcraft. Boo, yes. Guilty as Guilty as charged. <laughs> I play, uh, uh, and to make matters worse, I play what most consider to be the most boring of jobs and classes. I play Holy Paladin, and I cast healing spells and keep people alive while they get to fight and kill monsters. <laughs> So, yes, and I've been playing Warcraft for five years now. I started playing in February of 05, and I have not stopped playing since. I've taken some breaks, I've stopped playing every once in a while, I've been burnt out of it. But every damn time, like the sirens on the seas, I come back and get shipwrecked on that same damn island called Azeroth. And that's what I currently play. I've I've tried dozens of others, but... I assume we'll talk about our personal experiences with MMOs later. Currently, yep. the only MMO I play now is, is World of Warcraft. How about you, Jim? Uh, I don't play any MMOs right now. Um, played a few in the past, but not for very long. They tend to bore me after a while. And Aaron, what's your history with the MMO genre? Uh, the MMS, the MMOist I've ever gotten. Uh, is probably like Battlefield at 64 players on a server. <laughs> nice. That's pretty cool. Um, I do remember us talking a little bit a few years ago about um, how cool it would be to play like a Star Wars-based MMO and actually have it be realistic and faithful to the Star Wars universe. And this was just before... Star Wars Galaxies was about to come out, be released, and my personal feelings on that game was that, that it was a complete and absolute failure, even though there are people who loved it, and I, I don't can't understand very controversial. Yeah, I don't think that's a controversial opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of people thought so. Um, I mean, like, back before I played an RPG I, um, online, I had always assumed that, for example, with Star Wars galaxies, I was getting really hyped up on it and I assumed that you know, it would be everything I loved about all the other Star Wars games, like it would be like X-Wing and Jedi Knight all rolled into a huge package and have a oh. persistent universe and, and you could actually become the heroes of Star Wars and go out and do these amazing things and then I load up the game and you spend hundreds of hours kill, killing rats on Tatooine you know, or you know, doing something other than you know, what I call epic Star Wars action. Yeah, like all the... very dry and mundane. All the cool stuff you see in Star Wars is kind of not really how it works in the MMOs. Like, you can't be that much of a bounty hunter in the MMO. You can't be... Well, for the first part, you couldn't be much of a Jedi, um, because very few people got to be a Jedi. Right. Um, And I've got some... (laughs) At least one interesting story with Star Wars Galaxies... Um, because I was actually in the beta test. Like, the day that that game was announced was, like, a 
freaking block party for me because <laughs> we were the hugest Star Wars fans at that time. And right. it was like, are you kidding me? This the, the MMO concept was relatively new. Like, not a whole lot of games were out that were MMOs, and I certainly hadn't played one. So I was like, oh my god, there's this MMO coming out, and it's Star Wars based. It's um, got to be amazing, right? It has like, to be amazing. It has to be. It has and to so, blow me away. Like, yeah, I we remember going on and on out. about how we were just going to like live in the universe and like cut holes in our computer shares and like take shits like into pans and yep, it was yep. just like the South Park episode on Warcraft except exactly. we were years ahead of our time. And that's, yep. that's exactly the way we we were that excited about this game. I yep. mean, how and, could it go wrong? Well, we'll get to well, that. The, the thing is is that I guess in retrospect there was a lot of that you know, if you thought about how rare the Jedi was in the setting that they chose and how pretty much everybody wanted to be a Jedi or at least somebody cool like Han Solo and or Boba Fett or Princess Leia. The concept of grinding is almost anathema to the Star Wars experience. Because yeah. you don't want to play a mood. You don't ever want to start off as a mood. Well, uh, the the interesting thing about that, um, I was actually in the beta. I got the beta like maybe a couple months before the game came out. Uh, and none of my friends had access Lucky to it. Bastard. I was the only one who had it. And I actually still have the discs to this day. Um, oh, well, your e is getting huge. Oh, yeah, swelling to the size of uh, Jar Jar. Death Star. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's no e it's a space station. <laughs> um, so I was playing the beta, and I had this thing where I didn't want to experience very much of the game before it came out, because I wanted, like, I had this idea I was going to experience it in its full glory when it was finished save, and ready to save, go. Save it for your friends. Uh, no, not for my friends. For me oh. to enjoy more when it was done. Uh. Yeah. Um, and so I stayed on Tatooine. Like, I created a character and specifically stayed on Tatooine in one city. Didn't even go outside the city. Um, and the character that I played was a musician. I forget the name of the class, but basically I stood in the cantina and I played the <laughs> flute for hours on end. Like, literally just danced and played God. the flute. Oh, <laughs> and, and, and the reason... <laughs> Exactly. Like, that's the reason I did it. Because none of my friends had access to the game. I was the only one. And, like, they all wanted to see it and play it and experience this new game. And I was like, no, I'm going to stand on Tatooine and I'm going to play the flute. Yeah, I can remember, man. I, I still to this day hate you. What was the gameplay was, like for that? Well, it, there was not much gameplay there for There were that. flourishes. I mean, yeah. I played for hours, how the fuck did you maintain that? Were you uh, leveling skill or something? Yeah, yeah. You level your skill just like you do in, like... A lot of other RPGs where the more you use it, the better you get. At dancing? Yeah, dancing and playing the what flute. What kind of mechanic is that? <laughs> people people could come by and give you donations uh, when they saw your fancy dancing. Oh, I bet they did, too. <laughs> oh, they did. Was it male or female? Oh, female, obviously. Uh, <laughs> basically, Jim is best in terms of everybody's dance. My <laughs> <laughs> EP is now shriveling. Um, and, and you could like buy different instruments, and it would play different tunes and stuff. And I think that it wasn't absolutely the worst thing I've ever done in my life, but it was pretty close. Now, see, this concept at this time in my career as a geek um, had my imagination, you know, dripping with with desire for the possibilities, because mm-hmm. I assumed that you could, you know, immediately starts traveling the stars and start going between different planets and creating your own adventure and and I, I I assume that you would be able to buy your own ship or fly an X-wing or go into outer space and like get into dog fights and and build your 
own lightsaber. You know, the, the, the idea of an MMO is very tantalizing to me because yeah. really the sky's the limit. And I figured that, you know, naively, not knowing what I know today, I, I assumed that they had already hammered that model down and that Star Wars was going to be a great, you know, big bang of all of those possibilities. So, you know, just role play with me for a second here. You're me thinking these thoughts. Um, that's what's in your head. And you go over to your friend Jim's house. You you knock on the door to his room. He says, come in. You you open the door and you see him playing a flute on Tatooine <laughs> and adamantly refusing to do anything else. It was frustrating. The only um, worst thing he could have done was like be a moisture farmer. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you could be a moisture farmer. I purposely picked the most boring possible thing. Uh, and and I was doing it under the guise of like wanting to beta test for them. Like, I've got to help find bugs in the music system. <laughs> I knew that was bullshit, even when you said it. Of course. I knew you were just trying to to enrage me. And it worked. It, 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 to this day, it still frustrates me. Even though I know the game's not that, like... You are probably actually doing the most interesting thing you can do in the game. <laughs> but I had no idea, and I just wanted to see the game explored. But instead, you just refused to leave the damn cantina. And then the funny part is, I actually didn't play it after the beta and never left Tatooine. Yeah, it's a sad story. That character is still, to this playing day, the flute in the cantina. playing the flute somewhere on a, on a dead server, yep. floating through the asteroid field. Oh, God. That well. I remember Aaron thought that this game had some potential back in the back in its day as well. Well, I remember reading, because I was a big Penny Arcade fan back then, and one thing about Mike, the artist, is that he is probably the biggest Star Wars fanboy I've ever, you know, felt like I've known. I don't know him personally, but I feel like I know him through his writings and his art. And he was like eating that shit up. I mean, like, the developer diaries look good. I mean, they were, like, talking on and on about all these different things and how they thought about this and how, you know, how your species selection, you know, affects the, how the game goes and all these different things that made it look really iconic and sound like they'd really thought of everything. And then it turns out I was actually afraid of the game. I remember thinking well, fear that... Fear leads to anger. anger well, leads at the to time, anger. I had a full-time job. <laughs> at the time, I had my first, like, real serious IT gig, and I was working full-time. I was married. Uh, my ex hated video games. She hated anything... <laughs> she hated me having fun. Um, and anything that gave me pleasure uh, get, made her dark heart stir and twitch. So uh, I was afraid that if I played Star Wars, I would lose my job and uh, she would file for divorce, and I would, you know, just sit around in my underwear uh, playing this game for 16 to 18 hours a day, and, like, you know, just just, just not even getting a haircut, just, like, <laughs> cutting off just a curtain of my hair in front of my eyes so I could see. And <laughs> But, no, I mean, I, figured, I just felt like it would ruin my life, basically. I was intimidated by how awesome I thought the game would be. Right, and... Uh- I can remember back then some of our discussions, and I think some of that fear was shared with me because the only thing I knew about MMOs back then as a genre was the fact that I'd heard all these crazy stories about like ultimate online players like losing their their jobs and like people, people who had played MMOs, right? People like like not sleeping to the point of where it's lethal, and they're found you know dead. <laughs> 
dead in a chair, or somebody's character was deleted, so they killed themselves. You know, you know just crazy stories yeah. about how these games can, like, invade your private life and totally take over who you are. And I was like, you know, what kind of game can do that to a person? And therefore, I imagined this glorious experience. Because I assumed that it had to be this unending, endlessly compelling adventure that would drive people to, you know, say, no, I don't want to have a job and a family. I would rather die in my gaming chair. <laughs> I couldn't imagine an experience that was anything less that would lead people to do this. It turns out that uh, people will do that for quite a bit less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. In in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that like takes us into the subject of like what things are interesting and not very interesting about MMOs. Um, you know, let's start out with what there is to hate about MMOs. And I, oh, I, I know wow. Aaron, yeah. I can't wait. Unleash the beast right off the bat, why don't you? Aaron, <laughs> I know you're salivating at the very thought. I'm summoning dark energies. What to hate about MMOs. So let's go ahead and uh, unleash I the I will issue the plague from my ebony throne. Release the hounds! I just, I don't, to me, watching people play MMO looks like a very passive brain dead activity that you can hold conversations while you're doing it. You can watch other TV programs while you're doing it. You can knit a sweater while you're doing it. It's almost <laughs> like it's not a game. To me, it seems like you're a rat and you're hammering a bar to get your little, po- your, your little pellet. And you get that pellet and you, rah, 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 and then you start hammering the bar again to get the next pellet. And it just seems like, uh, almost like what Morpheus said about the Matrix, that it's horrifying and it's precision and it's, it's vision. And Blizzard's vision is basically to separate you from your 1995 every month and to keep you doing that for as long as you can and then to discard your husk when you finally shuffle up your mortal coil 75 years later. I have to adamantly disagree with something you said. It's fourteen ninety five a month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing is that, um, like, I also want to clear clear up something. Like, I don't hate MMOs. I actually am excited about the concept of MMOs. I hate MMORPGs because nobody fucking RPGs. <laughs> it's yeah. just it's it's everything I hate. I mean, we've already established I hate CRPGs. I'm not sure if you keep <laughs> color blindness. I think it will because. Uh, we're kind of proud of it. We can't, can't wait to get it out there. I think it'll go live before you guys hear this, but, um, I hate CRPGs. So basically CRPGs are the same stupid mechanics. Only now I got to share a space with uh, a thousand other assholes. Yep. Um, yeah. and the time commitment, I hate the fact that basically you have to work the game like a job to succeed. Um, I feel like I work a real job and I'm successful at it. So I want to do other things, you know, when, when I got time to myself. And the other thing is, like, if I, I could, and we're going to get into this later when we talk about um, concepts that would interest me, but, like, in, in, in like, RTSs and first-person shooters, FPSs, seem to have skills that actually you can build and translate to other things. Like, you know, you can learn strategy and tactics and, you know, at least abstract thoughts from playing games like chess and StarCraft and Red Alert and Command & Conquer. You can learn some basic tactical strategy from games like Team Fortress and Counter-Strike. And that skill carries on into other games of that sort. And, you know, you kind of feel like you're accomplishing something. Where in MMO RPG, it very much feels like you're clicking a mouse to get a reward that's fine-tuned to stimulate a pleasure center of your brain and to keep you addicted and hooked. Yeah. 
I have a feeling Peter's going to jump all over you on that. No, I mean, I, 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 I don't mind dissent. Yeah, okay. I, I do have some dissent um, for those thoughts. And, and, the, and believe it or not, a lot of what you're saying were more akin than you realize. I mean, I, I get that. I feel like you kind of like wish you could detach this demon from you. You wish to <laughs> find a horcrux and need an stab it with the basilisk fang, you know? Well, you want to flush the Warcraft down the toilet, you know? I'm not really at that place. Like, I've ascended like a Buddha beyond that, even. <laughs> like, I am like, <laughs> wow. like five years after being a Warcraft player, I've already gone through that. And that is a phase as well. I'm now at this point where it, it, it doesn't matter to a degree that I play it and I don't care because I'm going to play it anyway. Like, I, it's, it's where I'm just, <laughs> I, I, I find that hard to describe, so this is what I actually am going to say that you might actually relate to. Um, one of your points early on, and it was a very fine description, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, I can understand how it comes across that way, and in certain respects, like Blizzard, for example, designs their game to be some of those things, because if you don't have that, if you don't have some kind of a hook there, you're not going to get your monthly $100 million paycheck. Right. And that's and that's how the business runs. And that's unlike know? any other, like, if I take a week off playing Counter-Strike, I can come back and be, I might have gotten a little rusty, but, you know, Probably. I, like, all my friends haven't passed me by. Oh. Right. And and with MMO, at some point, it's actually, it depends on the release schedule of the uh, expansion content for your given MMO, but you can reach a plateau and then leave the game for about six months and come back and still be you know, at the peak. But there is a difference with, like, Warcraft. And this is where I'll, I'll say that I'm going to take uh, a little bit of an offense against your, your uh, statements. Their um, MMO, unlike some of the ones that have preceded it, is a lot more skill-based. Because, as you know, Blizzard has, uh, as a company, a history of making RTS content. Um, one of the RTSs that preceded uh, World of Warcraft was Warcraft 3, and a lot of that lore persists into the game as it is today. And it expounds on that RTS game. And a lot of the play mechanics at um, actually any level in the game, but especially at the high level, are very much skill-based. Like, you cannot just have a character with the best gear fight a character with lesser gear and have them totally trounce that character. Because the skill and abilities tied to each and every class have to be played with a certain level of speed, uh, a certain level of tactics and competence. Otherwise, you're going to look like a complete failure. However, however, you say, you kept on, I noticed qualifying, saying a certain level. It's not like, I think that there's a basic proficiency that then pretty much tops out. Unlike FPSs, where you literally have a world-class player who, you know, is measurably better than a second, another world-class player, and there's, like, a bunch of fine variations on that skill level. It seems like with MMOs, once you get basic proficiency, yeah, you're right, you just can't pick up the game and someone give you a bunch of epic gear and succeed, but once you have that base proficiency, you're in. Am I right or am I, am I wrong there? A little bit off base there, due to the fact that with the game, there are so many um, possibilities for uh, um, the style in which you play it. Um, I know that there are people out there who play and they don't use a mouse and both hands are on the keyboard and they combine <laughs> their skills and 
They can, or one hand's they on can, a keyboard and one hand is behind, oh. underneath the, the waistband of their sweatbands. Right. Act, well, what I'm saying is that the layout, the layout of the game and the way it's played is completely customizable. So you can move your character strictly with a mouse, or you can use the first-person shooter style, which I personally do, which is AWSD keys to move. And that's just one example of how you can customize the play experience. So there are constantly people out there that are writing... Um, what they call add-ons to the game to give you the prompts you need and to customize your layout, to customize the order that you do things in um, that make you a better player just because it's kind of like playing, let's say, GoldenEye for the Nintendo 64 um, with a Nintendo controller and then playing GoldenEye for the 64 with a keyboard and mouse. You know, the keyboard mouse player has a lot more that he can do with his setup then can the person with the D-pad and a, B, and a and B button. So some of the skill is behind the scenes preparation and intelligence and in how you approach your personal layout to your game and your character. And some of the skill is also knowing how to utilize your abilities and the environment, because the environment's also a factor, um, to your advantage in order to win like PvP contests and things like this. And then there's the entire idea of the mechanics that you have to get used to when you go into a dungeon and you're fighting a boss and there will be certain mechanics the boss will do that you have to react to in real time in order to be able to defeat these encounters. And they get more and more and more complex. So you have to be more and more and more a, a speedy thinker and a, and a quick-on-your-feet player. Otherwise, you'll disintegrate. So I would say that there is there is about the same continual level of personal um, I guess, what is the uh, the term for um, God, lost the term <laughs> um, wheelbarrow skill, wheel, wheelbarrow what is it when you do something over and over and over again Repetition. so much so, no, not that um, second nature mental memory, no muscle memory, muscle muscle memory. memory. yes, there is about no plateau to the muscle memory required to be a high level player well, let me ask you, there's two things I'm realizing. I just realized this about 30 seconds ago. As you're telling me all these things and defending the game, I increasingly had an expression on my face as if I smell a fart. Um, it's like there's something that's Did kind of... Did you fart? It's, there's something very much primal and visceral about my rejection of this game. It's not just... Uh, it goes a lot deeper than just a preference, and it's almost like... Uh, you know, I'm horrified at, at some of the things I'm hearing, and I don't want to say things like, okay... I appreciate that there's increasingly complicated bosses and stuff like that, but is it not true that you go, you, you play these instances dozens of times? It would be like, okay, God of War has a lot of the same kind of leveling and ramping up and increasing complexity. We talked about that before the cast, but you don't play God of War for a thousand hours. You play it for 20 hours and then you're on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And you can go for like weeks at a time and do other activities, whereas War or Warcraft, and some of these other MMOs like Evercrack and Ultima Online suck people's lives in to an extent to where it does seem detrimental and unhealthy to their real life existence. I would, which, which the other thing that I don't like about that is I, I start to fucking sound like my dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're just wasting your fucking time having fun playing these fucking video games. But it's rock like, your brain. At some point, it does seem like there is a little bit of like in real life degradation, and maybe we should talk about is that a problem? And well, also, see, I was, I was going to say that that's actually one of the reasons that I have not continued to play them. Um, every time I start up one of these games, 
it's new and exciting for a little while, but then inevitably it becomes the same boring grind fest that it's been in the previous game that I played. Yeah. And, like, yeah, you're just killing the same enemies over and over to get the loot drops, or you're running the same instance over and over to get the loot drops. And, like, even if you get to this fabled end game, like the legendary status at the end, well, guess what? Now you have nothing else to do except run the same instances over and over and over until they release a patch with new Or ones. PvP, but even that seems to be very samey after a while. It, yeah, it, the PvP is, is more well, worthwhile. I would say, like, if you, if you look at PvP... I think this is the most damning thing, and then I want to let, let Peter speak. Um, every single time I've heard someone leave World of Warcraft, they've never said, man, you know, I really missed the game. They always talk about, like, gosh, I have so much more time. It's like, I can't believe how much time I waste. Even the last time you quit, Peter, yeah. you basically said, I can't believe. It's like, looking back, I really don't know that that was such a wise investment of my time. I don't know how much fun I was really, even when you were vociferously defending it, you were like, I was, I was like, wait a second, you just told me six months ago that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's like, well, there's a little bit of self-deception there because you are so addicted. It's like, it's like people describe leaving a fucking cult. And <laughs> then you get sucked back in and it's like the Kool-Aid has been drunk and you're, you're, you're stuck but in it's a, But it's a new flavor of Kool-Aid, Aaron. And I guess that's not the like, cherry. That's now it's got, the great. Burning Crusade Kool-Aid. That's now like a local retail store. <laughs> And that's why I've got the fart smell face on because it just seems like I've I've played I've heard this song before and yeah. I know how it turned out. Well, yeah, and uh, okay, very valid there. <laughs> I would say that a lot of my persistence with the genre is the fact that I'm a sucker for the possibilities, and I'm also a person that strives my damnedest to understand other people. So. Mm. I've done this in, in a lot of various ways through my life. I've gone ahead and taken off the shackles of my preconceived ideas and dived headfirst into, you know, different religious faiths and, and different walks of life that I never understood. And it was all about this pursuit to know what drives the people that do these things, what drives the people that believe these things. And I guess there's a part of that in my exploration of uh, Warcraft. And to a degree, everyone is kind of sucked in by the big, grandiose promises. I mean, every time one of these games comes out, they're taunting, they're flouting, like, what is going to be new and what's going to be great. And all these things that you hated about old MMOs, well, guess what? They're gone and they're replaced by things you're going to love. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's inevitable. The last time, actually, Jim, that uh, we fell for that one, I think, is when we did the beta on uh, Age of Conan. Yeah, yeah. That was supposed to be God's gift to human culture, and it was it was supposed to be like basically Elder Scrolls for Oblivion, except online. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and we were seeing like, like these demos that had amazing graphics, and it was supposedly a completely interactive experience, and explore this vivid world with fantastic PvP content, and you know. We yeah. played it for for what a, a week, two weeks, yeah, a couple, couple weeks. weeks. I played it, <laughs> and, and it, it was actually cool. kind of neat. Um, See, that, yeah. I was going to say there were some promises actually delivered there. Um, like and it, it looked really good. Uh, the voice acting in that was, I thought, superb. Um, and, and most of it was voice acted. There was a little bit that wasn't. Um, and I think once you got to higher levels, it wasn't. But the beginning content definitely was. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, it, it did deliver on a lot of the things that they said, but it, it all seemed just like small iterations on things that were overall inconsequential to the actual I, game. I can tell you the most fun I had playing that game 
um, was the fact that everybody, at least back then in the beta, everybody who played the game, no matter what class you were, you had an ability to stealth. And oh, you yeah, could yeah. go completely invisible. <laughs> and I just happened to pick one of, I guess, the more powerful, like overpowered class. They hadn't done like a lot of balancing yet with the classes during the beta. So I forget what class it was, but I was dual wielding weapons. I was a barbarian, apparently. Uh, producer saying. And I was, I would sit in front of this door that people would come out of because all these new players are doing the same quests, right? So they're all in the same areas. And there's a steady stream of regular newbies coming out of this door, like below the earth in a dungeon somewhere. And I just sit with my back to the door, completely stealthed. And there's a combo system in the game. It was advertised to be kind of like a fighting game where you had combo system. There's a combo yes. system. Where you could put the, put the bodies of your enemies into a big pile, let and them uh, and, and like decay. Your banana peels and your yeah, think like, a, think like you a make system. mulch. You make mulch. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So people would come out of this door, and I would instantly de-stealth, hit them with one of my most powerful combos. They wouldn't be expecting it, and it would end in this gory Mortal Kombat fatality. Yeah, and they had big finishing moves. Like, I would circle around and, like, scissor cut their head off and it would go in bullet time slow motion and their head would be spinning and blood would be shooting everywhere and their body would just crumple into a pile and collapse and I'd immediately stealth and just wait for the next one. That was pretty satisfying. Like the, the it was actually that was pretty decent. Yeah. It was, How could they protect against how could they protect against that though? <laughs> you, uh, you're acting like they could. I was gonna say this seems like back to the griefing question. I mean the game's mechanics were broken. <laughs> and you exploited them for your pleasure. That's pretty much what I was doing. I will use the same excuse that Jim used for playing a flute in the cantina for those many months. I was beta testing for bugs. <laughs> Making sure the animations were just right on those yeah. dead scenes. Well, See that I'll the bugs say, race properly. I'll say that like I was with Jim at PAX Prime last year and they were demoing the Knights of the Old Republic MMO. And we both went, and the cinema cutscenes were very impressive. But they showed the gameplay, and I was not, I was not impressed at all because to me this was obviously fucking Warcraft with Star Wars. And actually, it looked almost identical to Star Wars Galaxies to me. Well, but you came out, you fucking liar! You came out and said, "Wow, I'm actually kind of interested." in, you know, I think that has a lot of cool ideas. And then I'm like, I think we okay. had lunch, and I started like debating it with you. And then at the end, you're like, "Oh yeah, maybe you're right." Yeah, I'm not a liar. I was hyped for Star Wars Galaxies when it came out. <laughs> oh, well, but I'm saying, like, I don't know. It just seems to me, I don't know why I'm immune to their, their charms. Because, like, Age of Conan looked cool, but I guess I took it on a matter of faith that the same bullshit mechanics would be there. The same repetitive, addictive, gr- treadmill-style grind would, would be at the core of the game. And see, One I, of the things, I, well, you know, I, I don't want to walk over Jim, but I wanted to say um, just real quickly that... It seems to me like part of that may be the fact that you weren't that into Knights of the Old Republic. I think me and Jim really were. And this game looks a lot like just that, but online as well. So it's going to have some of the massive, you know, wow-ish parts to it. But at the same time, it's going to have an interactive story with everything being fully voiceovered. And you're going to have a companion character that you actually... Get to know, and that grows along with you. And is it going to be fun? I mean, see, I, I'm actually 97 percent sure that they won't be able to deliver on their promise of massively multiplayer, story-driven game. That's sounding very much like Galaxies all over again, where like the developer logs and the blogs and the you know the pre-release hype was all this, that, and the other, and the actual game itself was a disappointment. Well, honestly, if these unless these people are 
orders of magnitude smarter than me and everyone I've talked to, I don't understand how they're going to accomplish what they I say don't they're going to accomplish. Because every, if everyone in what the galaxy is, epi- is part Fine. of an epic story, then no. It's kind of like The Incredibles. If everyone is part of an epic, thrilling storyline, then no nobody's incredible, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's always the challenge. And uh, I think back to what my vision of Star Wars Galaxies was, and it was totally neglecting the fact that Star Wars was good as a movie trilogy because it focused on the most special denizens of the universe. And that's why every movie works. <laughs> and that is why every movie works, is because there's something special happening in the corner of the universe that you see. Mm-hmm. And the moisture farmer is not having an adventure. He's having a boring time and if you want to spend two hours watching a moisture farmer no matter if it's in a sci-fi setting that will bore the shit out of an audience and i guess the fact is that star wars galaxy has tried to approach it from a more realistic stance and maybe they get credit for that because they wanted to to be faithful to the idea that there aren't jedi around every corner and originally the concept was that very few players would reach that uh, pinnacle and unlock the jedi class and you wouldn't see them very often and what that ends up doing is for like fanboys like you and you know everybody, everybody really like everybody really yeah half, is that half the people kind of, yeah that when they log into Star Wars Galaxies for the first time and realize that they have to play kind of a mundane class that's out killing rats <laughs> in, in this in, in the in the you know bullseye womp rats yeah you know, bullseye womp rats with their pitchfork all they're day kind long of disappointed mm-hmm. and who but it seems be? to me like. The older public, I think, is trying to make everybody the hero, but how do you do that and at the same time have everybody interact with each other? Well, they talked a, they, like a catch twenty two. They did talk a mess about how they keep the separate instances and blah blah blah. But yeah, I mean, it's a problem. See, I I don't know that instancing helps it very much because then you're not playing an MMO. You're just like Guild Wars. Guild Wars was like a like five person game, and then you had That's common awesome. areas. Right. And, but yeah, and that like, is not should, the, MMO. the MMO part was the lounge. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like you might as well have <laughs> had a whole. fantasy star online. Yeah. Exactly. Like it just doesn't. It's not an MMO. It's it's an RPG under the guise of an MMO. Well, okay. So I think we talked about the pros and cons. Maybe we can move it into the what? Where does MMO need to go to retain its mo? It's momentum. Uh, where, where does it need to go to attract people like me and to improve this bullshit experience? Well, well hilariously I enough, I would actually say that Star Wars Old Republic is trying to do that. Uh, the story-driven stuff is actually more interesting to me than any of the stuff we've put so far. Get out of town. I'm going to have to call you on this. You just spent well, quite a bit of time saying that it was impossible possible that instance-based content is yeah. not the answer, and then now you're saying that they're headed in the right direction. Well, you uh, said they're trying. They're trying. They're making they're an attempt trying. to go in that oh. direction. Now, they are probably... And Anakin said, tell, you will try. Fucking miserably, uh, is my opinion, but they're at least pushing things toward a direction that is more RPG than, than a lot of them have been so far. Yeah, and I agree with you, Jim, 100% on that. I think they are trying to to move to raise the bar a little bit, and even in all the developer diaries I've I've watched and all the interviews I've listened to, they're like, "Hey, we're trying to add this fifth pillar." I don't don't know if they're trying to make it make Star Wars like Islam, but they're adding this fourth or fifth pillar. They're like, all these MMOs, they have this, that, and the other, but they they have progression, they have you know good PvP content, but they don't have story based 
you know, development as your character goes along. And I totally agree. They don't have that. And yeah. the fact that they're trying to add that, because to me, that was one of the most compelling aspects of all the latest Bioware RPGs that are single player, is that they had this really compelling, interactive, totally in your control story. And to think that that could be adapted to the MMO playset is exciting to me. And yeah, I am excited about the, uh, the game. I hope they succeed. Like, if they come out with that and it really does do what they're saying, I will be blown away. Because yeah. I don't see how it's possible. But well, it but sounds I don't so think, good. I, I, I think they're going to the Guild Wars and Fantasy Star online. I, I do really do. I've like, really played Guild Wars, so I'm, I can't really... I didn't either, but I know what Jim's talking about. Like, we're basically... I think I aptly said it, that you... The MMO part of it is basically... It's kind of like... You remember the old Battletech center they had at the mall? Mm-hmm. where you would all go into oh, yeah. eight separate pods and you'd play with each other, and then there was like three or four different arenas, and you'd all spill out into a bar, and the theory was you'd all hang out and watch the games that other people played and would foster a community. I mean, that's like kind of that style MMO, that you are playing these small little instances with your friends and some other people, and then you kind of go and discuss it, and it makes it feel like a larger. But it's not really in massively multiplayer, online, persistent world. As a As One, a side note, they actually had that they were going to set that up, um, and it never really got off the ground that much, but they were going to set that up kind of like an MMO, where all of the pods in the world were connected. Were connected together. I, I exactly. remember reading articles, and I was like, how fucking cool would that be? <laughs> that would be totally and it cool. was a lot of fun. It was just the problem they had was, was that it was expensive, and that it was right at the time that PC gaming pretty much started outstripping the experience they could offer. Yeah. I mean, the graphics looked dated fast. The internet came and made, you know, getting together four friends to play Mech Warrior trivial. Mm-hmm. And, you know, three. And that's I, not only why that failed, that's kind of why the decline of the arcade scene as a exactly. whole started to yep. fall. You used to go to an arcade, why? Because, A, it had better graphics than anything that you could play at home had, and, better control and, and, and better controls, and then the, and the crowd, the community, yeah. Whereas now, now you I can, can get all I that online. I can play you in Street Fighter Alpha 4, Peter, or I can play the best player in the world. You yeah. know, from the, from the comfort of my couch here at who home. Like, who likely lives in Japan. <laughs> or Korea. <laughs> well, no, Korea's got RTS. Oh, yeah, yeah. Japan has fighting games. That's racist. And, and Pachinko. My God. It's so racist. And the one thing I will disagree with about what's been said, because I agree with most of it, is the fact that, like, in MMOs like World of Warcraft, there are these instances where you have this really tight gameplay experience and you share that with a select few. But to counteract that and try to stay true to the MMO model, Blizzard has made um, in their persistent world, because um, one thing, their world doesn't have load times, you can walk from one shore to the other and never experience a load time and it's all persistent and it's really cool that way. And they've also given um, two players um, They call goals. it the Forrest Gump experience. <laughs> <laughs> we made it to this expect. Let's keep on going. Uh, but like they've created goals that are only attainable by having massive amounts of people, co- you know, band together in these you know hodgepodge groups across yeah, the that's landscape cool. and, and attack and attack like the world leaders. That's one of the things that uh, I got my PvP world mount for is by doing what's called glory for the alliance, and it requires about um, sixty people. Um, minimum, and they have to be, you know, high-end people to raid all of the major uh, opposing faction cities in the world. And 
these are hubs of activity, so they're bristling with high-end players that are ready to die defending their king and country, as, as it were. And you have to go in with massive amounts of people and, and collaborate to take down and kill their king or queen, as it were. Yes, and that's pretty interesting. Up, and that, was a, that is a ton of fun to do. And that as is a reward, something else, that really excites me about the possibilities of MMO, like we've talked about, how, how they're not delivering as well on these promises as they should be. Uh, but we, we talked about the negatives of MMOs, but we didn't actually mention any of the positives. Well, so uh, I thought Peter did kind of touch on the, you know, the enjoyment aspects of it. Yeah, I've tried to emote oh. about some of the, some of the good things. I mean, it's all, it's in, in defense of all the negative is where I've mentioned them, but. Well, there's surely there's a lot. Yeah. I think, I think the core probably positive about the MMO is the collaboration and camaraderie that you get out of joining a guild. Yes. Um, and, you know, kind of that reliance and kind of similar to like the clan experience, how you take a game like Counter-Strike and it's good and then you join a clan and you see how the game's really supposed to be played and it becomes amazing and you really get these really good friendships and rely on each other, each other to show up and then people start, you know, being late and missing practices and drama ensues and the whole thing ends in a giant, you know, <laughs> fireball. Uh, fireball of hell that splits the friends along fault lines and, oh, wait a second. <laughs> and breaks up marriages and causes people to die at their computers. <laughs> what exactly. you're saying, what you're I was, saying, I was talking on. about FPS. I actually wasn't, I was talking about my experiences with FPS guilds. I mean, I imagine MMOs are a whole other level of drama. No, it's about the exact same. Like what you just said is verbatim the experience you can get in WoW. Um, I did not enjoy World of Warcraft nearly as much until just recently, even after my five-year tenure with the game, in joining a guild and actually getting on and talking with people and working in tandem with a community to accomplish something. That's really yeah. cool. Like, if you take your skill set and then other people's skill set and you get onto a vent server, you talk with these people for hours at a time as you as you go to town at this task or play this game and you develop this camaraderie, and you kind of, like, miss them. Like, when you log off and go to sleep and go do something else, a part of your brain kind of calls you back. Because the instant you get on there, you get this positive reinforcement, you're surrounded by people with similar interests, and it's very much like um, like what you used to get at, at the arcade scene. Um, you get people who like the same things you do, they appreciate you for the fact that you're all gathered together to celebrate this uh, communal experience. And also, like, you you get better. Like, I don't know, like, I was never, like, Jim into Counter-Strike as much as he was, but I know the more that he would play, the more you see how more, like, much more rich the experience gets when you get your skill honed simultaneously with a group. Yeah, and the skill uh, gap you, between groups will, like, show you how deep the game really is. Precisely. Because it's one thing to pick up a single-player game and get really good by yourself at home alone in a closet somewhere, and it's a totally different thing to pick up, you know, to have you and your friends simultaneously pick up a keyboard and mouse and hone your skills together as an entity, as a team, and then achieve something that's impossible to achieve solo. And that's what I think is really the biggest perk of MMOs is you have that, but you have that to such a massive degree um, <laughs> that there's really things that are possible in MMOs are not possible with other games. Um, mm-hmm. 
like you were talking about the mass cooperation uh, involved in some WoW, like the world events in WoW. Like, uh, what was that? Opening yeah. the gates of, of something. Um, I remember right. when that happened, and it was like a big deal. Like when your server opened these gates, because it required like thousands of players contributing to this giant pool of materials they needed, right. and everybody had to work together to accomplish that goal, or it wasn't going to happen. Too. <laughs> exactly. The entire yeah. country has to be behind the cause, or you don't do it. Yep. And, and, yeah, and, that is actually kind of cool. And along those lines, like the massive amount of people you have enable things in the game that are possible, like in smaller games. Like for instance. Um, economies in games like World of Warcraft or games like EVE Online become very intricate and very interesting when you have that many players and they're able to influence the economies or they're able to influence even the gameplay. Like in EVE Online... And the economies are real. Yes, the economy becomes real. It it becomes its own functioning entity driven by the players. Absolutely. And and I was going to say the, the... the gameplay itself even becomes that, like in games like. EA. And it has the same traits as as actual currency. Like, um, oh, totally. you know, look at the economic downfall we're in right now as on a global scale. The same type of, you know, the same type of uh, bullshit goes on in the economies of MMOs, where you have people flooding the market with with a bunch of. It's like economy uh-huh. warfare um, that we're seeing on a global stage with our actual currencies in the real world happens in Warcraft all the time and also I'm sure I'm sure in the others as well like Eve and things like oh, that. Oh yeah. Anything you know, I, that I do want to talk about time, so. I, I do think now that we're talking about um, Eve I, I want to kind of go on that tangent a little bit and say that okay. like World of Warcraft you have to slog through and level to get to the legendary status and then you kind of plateau and, you know, whether that's fun or not, we can debate. But I think what's interesting about Eve is you have to kind of level and grind to get to the legendary status. And that's when really the game begins or the game becomes interesting. Because then you can join uh, one of the corporations and really become a power, a force in the universe. And exactly. You can you literally have political rule the power, galaxy. You have economic power. You, like, there's machinations and backstabbing and hostile takeovers. Yeah, and some really of the stories. incredibly like... deep mechanics that I hear coming out of this game make me almost want to invest the 100-plus hours I would have to get to get there. And the most amazing thing about it is not just how deep the mechanics are, but that they're all made by the players. Like, this is a game that's so open-ended. They just give you the basic tools. It's almost like a Second Life sort of thing, where you right. actually are designing the gameplay You're as the you developer. play <laughs> exactly. You are the developer. They give you the tools and you build the world yourself. And and that like really allows I think for role playing even more so than like these do, stories. Do either of you know specifically how that occurs in Eve? Cuz I've I've uh, well, I've, I mean, never, it's, it's I've never reached the the plateau. Like what Aaron's describing is that whereas in World of Warcraft when I reach the plateau, I, there's really nothing else for me to do except for roll an alt character, which I was going to say earlier. Yeah. A lot of people have alt characters because a lot of the play mechanics that are fun are spread across all of the classes. So to really enjoy the game, you kind of have sure. to play all the classes. And if you get like a level 80, like right now, my level Lady Paladin's about as good as I can get right now. And the only thing for me to do is A, stop playing until there's an expansion, or B, roll an alternate alternative character. Yeah. And what Aaron's saying is like an E, once you get to that point that I am in WoW, at that at that stage, the game really just begins. Like, ha- explain how that works. 
Well, let me, I think, it's, I hope I get some of this right, because some of this you hear from Eve players, and it's kind of like you get the feeling that they're recruiting you into the, you know, the cult experience. It's like some of this might not be as cool as it sounds. But the way I understand is that the Eve is like at its core a flight sim. Um, or at least yeah. you, you're, you're, you're flying in space at, of, of air, with craft of various power. Yeah, there's very little sim involved. <laughs> that, that basically you define territory by how much you can protect. Like you band together with other people and say, we can protect this area and project force and we're taking it over. And anyone that comes into this area either has to trade or do battle or, you know, enter it by force or whatever. And so then that little simple mechanic allows boundaries to form. Basically nation states and corporations arise and fall. It, it, you know, you can have free trade or limited trade. You can, uh, have a political coup by basically, you know, if a, if, if a guild or, corporation or whatever they call it is being run incompetently, uh, it can be taken over or it can be absorbed by a larger one or it can break apart and fragment. But it's And you can actually stuff. infiltrate corporations. There, there have been yes. epic stories where people have gone from the ground level of these corporations <laughs> and they have worked their way up. Like the, And they've worked their way all the way so high that they actually have control over who owns the corporation um, and control over their ships and control over their bank accounts. And they are spies from another corporation who then go on to donate all the money and all the ships to their original corporation. And they, wow. they literally cool. do a hostile takeover. It's like a, it's like a Manchurian candidate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. They're planted there to steal their goods. Wow. So, I mean, that it's just a mechanic That's is so crazy. open. You know, it'd be like, I guess you could probably do that in WoW, that you could, like, go out into the middle of, like, the wilderness with your clan if you had a thousand people and just form a <laughs> perimeter and say, we own this land. And, <laughs> this is Sparta. Yeah, this, this is Sparta and anything here goes and maybe you guys are going to do, like, you know, live out rape fantasies there or what. I mean, I don't, the you thing know, is, is I don't, the <laughs> rape fantasies? So it's like, I don't know, cause I don't think you can build fortifications and, and do some of the things that, like. Yeah, that's the only problem. Like, with yeah. the real estate there in World of Warcraft. It's worthless. It's pretty much consolidated to major cities in a game. Because and, there, there are a lot of resources that you really need to have access to, and those are only in the, the, in PC, that's non-player character cities. Like, in Eve. Yeah, like in Eve, you cannot set up a city with a guild bank and a, and a and a mining trainer and all these other resources that you get like in Dalaran. Mm-hmm. Um, you you cannot take a, a plot of Earth in Azeroth and create a city with those same resources. But I, I assume you can in Eve. You can have all the resources yeah, you can that you bases. can have out in nowhere, like mm-hmm. out on Tatooine somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. You build bases and you have ships that can roam anywhere and defend. Um, and they basically have like different systems set up where you jump gate between them. So as long as you can protect the jump gates, you can protect your territory. I think exactly. that is an amazing, uh, amazing mechanic. And to me, that would be way more compelling than having the, the game designers say, no, all the resources are going to be in this one spot. And because that kind of stifles that creativity. Yeah. Uh, and this kind of leads into what we were going to talk about is how to improve the genre. For sure, I think the genre would be improved if players could create their own cities, and that way it would actually be something meaningful for them to protect yeah. and, and fight and play for. Whereas Absolutely. right now, you just you just sit in a in a NPC run zone, and you can't go out and like 
Because there are places that are open for PvP in Warcraft, and you can take a thousand people out there, plant your ass there, and say, this is Sparta, bitch. No one comes in here unless we say, and no one passes through here unless they pay our toll. But yeah. the problem is, no, like, you know, every, every night, you're going to have most of your thousand guards teleporting back to a city somewhere else to do all the shit they need to do. True. And it's not going to be like a hub. You you know, you, you kind of get that in WoW, but it happens for an evening. It See, I was actually going to say that I would probably be playing Eve to this day if not for their experience system. Because um, their experience system does not allow you to ever catch up with the people who've been playing longer because you're constantly leveling no matter if you're playing or not. That's well, right. yeah, so, on the other hand, I think that that's true. But, you know, what you you can still become a power player by starting from zero and joining, you know, building yourself you can, up, and, sure, yeah. you know, becoming a foot soldier, and then by putting in time, because there's an ebb and flow. And recruiting the help of other people, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I but, would, the only thing that stops me is that it literally is a hundred hour plus investment. Oh, yeah. Couldn't you curve. do that, like, over the period of months, though? You could. Oh, yeah, it's not like WoW, where, you know, you'd, you'd have to kind of, well, I guess even WoW's not like that, too. If, if you play, like, PBE... Um, you could slowly attain a certain rank or level, and I'm sure you could. It's just that <sighs> you want to get Again, there. Now. Once I found that, once I got to the real game, I really worry about what that would do to me. <laughs> you know, because I'm really enjoying some of the real life things I'm doing now. And like, if I had to the, uh, to keep my commitments to the corporation and to maximize my fun of the game, uh-huh. commit to scheduled. Okay, every other night I'm going to be on from 7 p.m. to 1 a.m. in the morning to do fulfill my obligations to this group of online people that I have a problem with, even though I think it would be cool. I almost wish I was in college <laughs> or was like 21 again because and had time to do shit like that. Well, and when Eve two comes out, I'm probably going to play it <laughs> on the ground floor. Yeah. You know what, Jim, if you, got, if you got into Eve, I'd probably get into it with you. I probably uh, get into it. Hell, it's, it's just that what, what I probably is like, you guys are just out. You guys would run away from me because I don't have the same time commitment. Yeah. Well, what I would suggest, like, I'm by no means suggesting, Aaron, that you get into one of these things. Um, well, I mean, I'm not saying it's like, because, but, oh, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying that I, this is all I've heard from Eve, and I've tried it. I've, I've done their little free trial you can do, like, for 14 mm-hmm. days. And as I understand, I, I, I did talk and had a personal um, conversation with someone locally who owned a land center. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were into Eve all the time because they ran a land center, so they sit there and they played Eve. But they said Eve Online is is a good second MMO to have because, as he described to me, you can actually have the game leveling your skills while you're not even playing the game. Yep. So you can basically set the game up and then let it run and then come back to it way later when you actually have skills and abilities to play it. Yeah, I agree, because it seems like the grinding aspects of EVE are really grinding. Like you're mining an asteroid or something like that. There's like, you know, where assuming that you're not going to be attacked or you're in a safe region of space, there's nothing, you know, it would be kind of like having watching a harvester and command and conquer work. Yeah, yeah but the balance there is experience and, and money, because the experience levels your character, the money levels your ship. So if you don't play to get the money, you're not going to be... It's powerful, no matter how much experience you get. Okay, well, I think that's just about going to do it for the show this week. Uh, Blue Yonder releases every Wednesday at noon, EST. We're also on iTunes now, so check us out and leave us a review. 
And as always, if you have any questions or comments or you just want to chat, you can visit our forums at www.baldmove.com. .com! Oh, my God. Or send us an email at blueyonder at baldmove.com. Or you can reach us by phone at 1-800-FUCK-THE-HORDE. With that said, until next time, I'm Jim Jones. Oh, my God. And I am the very shocked Peter Street. Hey, Ron Hubbard. Ciao. <laughs> well, that'll about do it. That'll plus about, five that, damage that, to that, my. What about do it? Yeah, I'm gonna try not to. That'll it up this about, time. But you always do I though. Notice that last time. That'll man. about do what it. Is that that'll about? I know. I I mean to say that'll just about do it, but I always say that'll. That'll about do it. That'll about do like. Uh, I claim that it's because you were raised in Mooresville. I think it's funny. That'll about. About. No, what I end up saying is that's just gonna about do it. That's yeah, just gonna about do it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly, and I mean to say that's just about going uh, to do horrible. it. Horrible. You I, sound like a redneck, but you always do in that three or four first <laughs> word phrase. Now just about do it. Gonna go out back and do our wash. I, I, I should. I should get off the library. Roscoe Pico train signing off. The blue yonder. Yeah. <laughs> We got him now, Cletus. We got those two boys now. We got him right where we want them. Get him. Get him, doggies. Yeah. Just about do it. Y'all come back now, you hear? Get, get, get. Get the gap out. Gimps to sleep. We'll wake him up. You have to wake him up now, won't you? <laughs> <laughs>